All right, here we are. It is just after the holidays. We're going into New Year's next, what is it? It's actually the 29th today. So New Year's is coming up. It's that time of year where you reflect on all the things that happened. And I'm, I'm really in the middle of making a list of my wins for the year, making a list of things that didn't go so well, thinking about my goals, thinking about things I'm good at, things that light me up, and really just trying to figure out what next year is going to look like based on what I want to happen and what I want kind of my my business to look like and, you know, what makes me happy. And the biggest thing was, I just sent this to my email list today, is that, you know, I was so focused all year on, oh God, it's been such a hard year. You know, I'm definitely, I, I definitely did not make... I, I did, I did not make what I made last year. I had just a very crazy year between, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with regards to ADHD and trying to deal with some mindset issues, procrastination issues. You know, I turned 40 this year and I just felt like it was a year of really self-reflection. And I learned a whole lot of very valuable lessons and I'm going to do a separate podcast on that. But as I was trying to review my year, I went back into my Facebook group, Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett. If you're not a member, go join. And I thought maybe I could pull some of the videos I did in there throughout the year that I thought were maybe helpful, relevant, whatever that might be, and turn them into a podcast. So a lot of these are just, you know, the very first one is all about me thinking about my year last January and sharing kind of my thoughts and feelings on that. Uh, So that'll be really relevant again for everybody this year. I talk about embarrassing client stories that really is not a huge value add to your life other than funniness. I also, I'm going to add one that, um, that where I answer a pricing question that, you know, every now and then I just get real passionate about certain topics. I talk about, what else am I talking about? Oh, you know, the, the crazy client, the crazy project that I had where I had to say no to a client after a paid consultation. So basically it's all three videos put into one by one. So you can kind of see how that progresses. Also the holiday, the holiday decor disaster, um, that happened this year for me at the very end, again, consolidated all the videos, but so you can listen to them one after one and understand kind of how that all turned out. But at the end of the day, These are just fun little nuggets along the way so you can kind of see what my journey was like this year and see if it's helpful to you. And over, you know, the next probably three weeks, next week, I think I'm going, I don't don't know, maybe, yeah, next week I'm going to have a podcast on the, on Wednesday again, but I want to, I think I'll probably do Rebecca Plum's uh, podcast call that we did. And then after that, do an episode all about what I learned this year and some of my thoughts and feelings for next year. So enjoy. I am gearing up to set some goals for the new year and I'm going to do a podcast about it. I'm going to share all of my biggest learnings from 2018. I'm going to share maybe a little bit about um, what I'm thinking for the new year. Excuse me. I've been really sick, by the way, like really, really sick. um, And I'm finally recovering now. (coughs) So much phlegm in there. Anyway, um, and so uh, the biggest change that I'm doing is I'm upping my rate to 150 an hour, and I am no longer going to share my trade discounts. Taking that out of my contract completely. Thank you, Susan Winterstein, for inspiring me to make this change 
somebody asked in a Facebook group, probably the Ivy Facebook group, um, you know, asked about what information you give your clients about the trade discounts or, or whatever. And she was like, Oh hell no, I don't share my discount. And you know, I, I just, I want to be more profitable. Uh, I want to cover my life. I want to, I, I think about how well I did this year and I had a really good year. I have not, um, kind of finished all my numbers off and all that. That's another thing I need to do, but I did have a really good year and I'm actually pretty sure I, I met my, my high end goal for the year. <coughs> still there peeps. Um, and I still feel like I struggled financially and and I think it's a lot of like feast famine where, you know, yeah, you still do well, but there's still periods where no money's coming in. So you like, you know, you're scraping by and then all of a sudden you get a huge check and then it's just like, you know, you go crazy and you pay for all the things you needed to pay for because you were, you know, in famine mode. I'm really sorry. You have to hear how phlegmy I am. But uh anyway, so I don't want to do it anymore. And... I, I am realizing another thing that I hate to say is I feel like I am having to resort to this one more designer friendly retail store and, um, I don't want to give up 20% of that. Like if I'm going to have to use retail and I get 20% somewhere, I want to get the full 20%. Okay. The biggest thing I've learned this year or last year, 2018 was that pretty much everything is a mindset thing. Not that that's new or revolutionary to me. I think I knew that already. But I realized that when I was sitting, okay, for example, if I think about installation and having a client pay me 30 grand in a check form to buy all their furniture, then have it go to a receiver and then have it delivered in one day, I used to go like, well, there's no way I can do that. I don't, a client is absolutely going to question that and they're going to push back on that. But then the moment I opened my mind up to say like, no, a client, I mean, other designers are doing it. Like I'm not so different and this or that, like why can other designers do it, but not me. So what I realized is the moment that I allow my brain to believe a certain thing, process, like belief, whatever, is the minute that I'm able to accomplish it or do it or whatever. So my limiting belief about trade discounts was that clients are going to expect trade discounts from me and they're going to ask about it and they're going to this and they're going to that. <coughs> and now I'm retraining my brain to say, you know what? Designers do this all the time. Susan Winterstein, who's like banging. If you don't know who that is, go check out Savvy Interior. She just, she just seems like she's a very good businesswoman. I'm going to try to get her on my podcast. But, you know, if she can do it, then I can too. And if I can allow myself to make more money so that I can really pick and choose the clients I'm working with and try to be better, um, you know, run less dry and just not feeling like I'm always living paycheck to paycheck no matter how much money I'm making. So anyways, I am shifting my belief system about this and I'm, I, completely revised my contract yesterday and I'm very excited about it. Like who gets excited about their contract? This girl, but it's just, you know, I took out any reference to trade discounts. So that's not a thing anymore. 
And, uh, I, so that's the biggest thing for this year that I'm working on. And I really want to try to identify and figure out how I can work with more trade only vendors and, and really get that profitability. And the other big thing for the 2019 is cracking the code for myself on procrastination. I, I've talked about this so much, guys. Like, I'm at the point right now where I'm considering the idea that maybe I even might have ADHD. And it's, I, I know it sounds crazy and I, I don't know anything about it. I did a, I did a, an online test, um, for, you know, figuring out whether you might have ADHD as an adult. And I, like, I answered pretty high considering. So I have a doctor's appointment. I'm going to refer to a psychologist. This is where I'm at, where I'm at my complete wit's end with regards to my procrastination because I know I, I do good work, but I do good work in spite of the fact that I procrastinate so hard and I often am cramming these clients' projects in a very tight timeline and I have to stop. Like if I want to be as good as I can too, I need to stop procrastinating and it's been a battle my entire life. I, I had this moment of realization in college. I took graphic design in college and I used to, we would be given three months to do projects and I would do them in a, in a, like a couple nights right before. And the result was obviously that my projects were, you know, mediocre. They weren't terrible by any means. I wasn't the worst in the class. They were mediocre. And I remember this one time I did a project where I actually like did not procrastinate. And I remember a person in my class saying like that presentation you did with that project was the first time I really took notice of you. And I think about what that probably means for, you know, all, you know, what I, how good I could have been or if I applied myself harder. And it also reminds me that, you know, I need to be giving my clients my absolute very best. And that means not procrastinating and, and giving it my all. And I'm ready to like, I'm really mentally ready to put an end to procrastination. I started listening to this podcast um, because my boyfriend sent me a link to something he found in Reddit, like this doctor who talks about procrastination is going to change your life. If you listen to it, denied. I was like, there's nothing revolutionary in that, but I had a podcast. So I'm listening to that. Like I said, I'm going to a doctor. I'm at a point where I need to, like, I got to figure this out. I got to crack the code. So 2019 is all about cracking the code on what makes me procrastinate and just like turning my life around on that front. Um, anyways, I have a call at nine 30 of a client who kind of came back who I had done a proposal for and she said, you know, they weren't going to move forward because they wanted to renovate in three years. But then she reached out to me in December saying, you know, maybe she wanted me to just help her out with a few things. And I'm kind of at the point where I don't really want to take on, you know, little like, I'm going to source a few things for you. But I told her I'd call and listen to, you know, what it is that she needs help with and I'd consider it. But I don't know if I just need to like put the brakes on that and say no. So I'm just going to let my gut uh, tell me when I talk to her and um, kind of go from there. But anyways, guys, that's kind of what up, the update is over here. I am, like I said, going to be working on <coughs> uh, setting my goals for the year, reflecting on 2018 and putting out a podcast about that. I'm going to read the comments. Oh, guys. Uh, someone said way to go. 
I don't remember what part that was for. Um, it is self-employment is so much mental discipline. That's why we talk our, to ourselves and that's okay. Uh, me too focus. Yeah. Amen, sister. All right, guys, that's all I got for you. I will talk to you guys later. Have an amazing start to your new year. Bye. All right. So this is current day Michelle responding to that video, which was again, a video that I did in the Facebook group at the beginning of 2019. So the first thing I should say is in response to the ADHD thing, I did crack the code and it turns out I did have ADHD. So if you want to learn more about that whole story, that was episode 41. I also talked about doing a podcast, outlining my goals and all that good stuff and how my year went, which I did also do. That was episode 23. And then I talk about Susan Winterstein, who is a champ. And I did get her on my podcast and she was episode 42. So if you didn't listen to that, go have a listen. One thing I will say in response to my thoughts and feelings at the beginning of last year is that um, I talked a lot about just, you know, not wanting to take certain times of projects on and da, da, da. And I think, I think that was, that's an important thing to do. But what I should have done, and I, re- I figured this out too late in the game last year, was that if, if you're not as busy as you want to be, then you need to be able to kind of adjust a little bit while still having some set of criteria of what is below what you'll accept. And I should have come up with a way to help people. Like I came up with consultations, so more in-depth consultations for lower budget clients uh, at higher price points. I did that after the Blair Ends podcast, which I don't remember the episode number for that, but I did episode 64. But um, that's something I should have been looking at harder and kind of transitioning and, and pivoting a little bit as my year wasn't kind of going quite the same way as the year before. So, so that's something to be thinking about for sure. This next video clip audio is really just an embarrassing story that happened on Instagram with one of my clients. So I'm sure some of you can relate to just really making a mockery of yourself sometimes and, uh, enjoy. Hey guys. So I'm coming on to share what I would consider to be a very embarrassing client story. So embarrassing. I don't know. Client seemed like she didn't think it was that big a deal, but I am honestly horrified. So it all goes back to the old Instagram. Okay. So last night, first of all, there's a girl. When I got my, my eyebrows microbladed, I met a girl there. And after that, we had chatted and we started like uh, you know, chatting over Instagram and asking each other how things were going. Anyway, so we kind of became like Instagram friends who communicated in private message. Um, and she recently went on a trip somewhere hot, which includes like bathing suits and stuff. And her body looked freaking banging. So what I'm like scrolling through my feed and I see this picture of her like doing a plank thing and her muscles are like crazy. And I'm like, I don't know, is that her? Or is that like, there's this other fitness guru that I follow. And I thought like, it looked like her a little bit. And so I was like, holy shit. And then she said something like on the post, it said a lot of people have been commenting and asking me like what my fitness routine is because of her photos from being away in this hot sunny place wearing a bikini. 
cool, whatever, no big deal. Then I did a social, like I did a, a Facebook uh, story or an Instagram story where I was like showing my my new catalog. And I was just like, oh, thanks LT for my new catalog. And then I like zeroed in on this one lamp that I really liked. And I got a private message from that girl. And she said, oh, I love that lamp. How much is it? And I said, $915. And I did like one of these faces. That's, that's attractive. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's pricey. And she's like, oh, I'll just get the knockoff. And then I go on to say, is that you in the picture? And she goes, yeah. I was like, holy crap. Uh, what, what do you do? What workouts do you do? And she goes, oh, I do CrossFit. And I was like, holy, honestly, I would read you the conversation, but it'll all make sense in a second. I cannot bring myself to go back and read the conversation for the cringiness that is about to ensue. (laughs) So then I go, oh, amazing. I said, how old are you? And then in brackets, I said, so inappropriate, but I'm going to ask you anyway. And she goes, 43. And I said, no, holy crap, you look amazing. The entire time, I think I'm talking to my brow friend. And so we go on. And then I say, this is the real kicker. This is the real kicker. I got to go look at that picture again. And then I said, ha, ha, ha. And I said it in like a creep. It was intentionally supposed to be creepy, like funny. And But I go back to her profile and I'm like, wait a minute. That picture's not there anymore. And I'm like, this is my client. I'm saying all this shit to a client. I thought it was a completely different person. I'm looking at her profile going like, did she delete that picture that I'm referring to? Um, Maybe she did a story. And I was like, oh my God, it's Colleen, my client. But who also happened to have gone away and was probably pictures in a bit. Anyways, who also happens happens to be extremely fit. So it wasn't like totally out of left field. But I said things like, I asked her her age, which is so wildly inappropriate. And then I said, I'm going to go back and look at that picture again. And then she goes, what picture are you talking about? In Cancun? And I'm like, and that's when it all came together. And I couldn't just like play it off. So I basically was like, oh my God. I am so embarrassed right now. I fully, first of all, they don't even have the same name. This is how stupid I am. I just, for some reason, thought it was the eyebrow girl. Because I'm not friends with that client on Instagram, but she obviously follows me and she messaged me. I don't think I follow her. Maybe I do. Um, I go, I couldn't play it off because I felt like I'd been so inappropriate and so creepy that I, 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 and it made no sense. If I hadn't said, I'm going back to look at your picture, I might've played it off, but that was like the creepiest thing to say to a client. So I go, oh my God, I am so sorry. I fully thought you were a different Colleen, not the same name turns out. And I go, I cannot believe how wildly inappropriate this conversation has been. I'm so sorry. I know I would not normally have a conversation like this with a client. And she was like, Oh no, it was fine. It's totally fine. I just thought you were genuinely interested in CrossFit. And I, and then I was like, Oh my God. So then I, I was like, well, I can't believe you're 43. Cause she does look amazing. I definitely commented on, um, 
said to somebody else, like an assistant who uh, was in her house, I was just like, she, like, she looks amazing for her age. And I'm shocked that she's 43 and she does have a hot bod. But like, I'm legitimately mortified. Like, so I can't. And I said to her, I can't even go back and read the, the conversation because I just, I think about it and I just cringe. I'm going to read the comments now. Nikki says, huh, I'm dying. Yeah, no, it's horrible. There's just too much going on. It's, it was horrifying. Oh, shite. This podcast is supported by Ultralux Linens. And guess what, peeps? Guess who's getting drapes this week? Okay, if you didn't guess me, then... I'm not, I don't know what, I don't know what to say to you because it's me. I'm pretty sure it's happening this week and I'm the most pumped a girl could be. Um, if I am getting them this week, then you're going to want to be watching my stories because I am going to post all about it. But Ultra Lux has been doing my drapes. We got amazing fabrics that I'm so excited. I cannot say enough good things about Ultra Lux linens. Number one, Jacqueline, the owner is just so nice just in general and personal, like before we were even doing this, she would always DM me the most heartfelt words of encouragement. Like I'm telling you, it's just, it makes my heart so full. And I can just, it's just, I can tell she's a woman who supports other women, business owners, is excited for people, you know, as opposed to sometimes you get, you know, sometimes people are not so supportive and it's just, it means a lot. And it's, I just know that people like that are amazing to have in your corner and I want to support people who I also uh, think do great work and deserve it. And she's, she's created such an amazing showroom. It's got over 75 brands of fabric. We're talking the usual suspects. Said it once, I've said it twice. Kravit, JF Fabric, Allendale, Avonger. I mean, the list goes on, peeps. And you should know that you're going to get the exact same pricing that you would get if you went direct. But you get the benefit of being able to easily order multiple lines of fabrics from different vendors from one place. Plus, you can have it shipped directly to Ultra Lux because they also have a workroom, aka that's who's making my drapes. Uh, and this is something that they've introduced this year and they have an amazing dedicated staff who have tons of years of experience doing this. And they, they, you can go in, you can see the fabrics before you use them to make sure they're good. But also, I told you this in another one, they actually check the fabrics, which I know people do that, but they send me pictures of, of you know, any of the damages, any concerns, let you know whether or not they need to get you new fabric to replace it or if they can work around it or you can make those types of decisions as well. She also has private label bedding called Sugar Baker. They have other bedding as well, featured linens from Portugal and custom bedding uh, made in-house. So it's amazing. You can get duvet covers made through them. You can get your cushions made through them. I've done that as well. Cushion covers. You can also get your inserts from there. It's amazing. And I would love it if you would support this amazing, amazing team of people who are just doing such great things for the industry. And I know we've talked about uh, collaborating and seeing what else we can do to help the design. She's not just, she's not just kind of building this business for herself. She really wants to help the design community as a whole. So guys, if you're not familiar with Ultra Lux and you are in the GTA, you can go to the showroom. It's at the Toronto International Design Center near the airport. Or of course, you can visit them online, ultraluxlinens.com. And the great thing is she works with anybody anywhere. She does lots of work in the States as well. So guys, go check it out.
This podcast is also supported by Vintage Print Gallery. Vintage Print Gallery is a growing company based in New Jersey, and the name actually comes from the fact that they have a huge archive of original prints and antique books, and they actually use a lot of that to draw inspiration for a lot of their pieces. But what's really cool about this company is that they can customize pretty much anything from start to finish. You can pick the size of the print, the size of the mat what frame you want, and they got tons of cool frames to pick from. They also have a huge team of graphic designers and painters, and the piece that I selected is actually by an artist named Laura Campbell, and she created this beautiful abstract, which... I gotta tell you, if when you see this in my living room, it actually looks like it was painted and commissioned by me for my living room because it feels like the green is almost the exact right color in relation to our wall colors, which is green. And I went fairly large scale. I think the piece is actually almost 38 inches high. I forget what the width is, but it's basically gonna be the perfect focal point for our living room. So if you wanna learn more about this company, go to vintageprintgallery.com and you can actually set up an account and go check out their amazing, amazing assortment of prints. This next audio clip is me responding to somebody who posted a question in the group. And I just felt like I wanted to elaborate a bit on my answer. So here you go. Uh, So she said, if you saw my post yesterday, I voiced that I had my very first consultation. Thank you so much for your advice. The phone consultation went very well. Congratulations. That's great news. I'm still in a gray spot of how I want to present pricing. The client just bought a new home, wants to decorate the living room. If you were me, how would you go about this? Okay. Number one, you talked about a phone consultation. Hi. (laughs) You talked about a phone consultation. Um, I would be careful of that terminology. I would call it a discovery call. You're not consulting anything on that call. You're really just trying to understand what the project is asking for so that you can book the paid consultation. You do not want to give any pricing um, on the project without seeing the space in real life. So you really want to be uh, doing the consultation, which for me, I do paid. Truth be told, when I first started, I did free consultations where it was really just about me getting the scope and it was never really um, that long, like they weren't two hours. So approach that however you feel comfortable, but um, you really don't want to give any pricing other than my consultation costs X and I'm going to prov- I'm going to things like I'm going to pull together for you a proposal following the consultation, depending on how you're going to price. Uh, and my hourly rate is X, whatever that is. So I'm going to tell you that if you're new and you don't have any experience um, or you have minimal experience um, doing this. OK, multitasking here. I am making spaghetti for lunch. But if you have little, I'm just going to get my noodles out here. (laughs) Do you ever find it's really hard to get the right amount? This is probably going to be way too much. Anyway, um, if you have little experience doing uh, projects, then I'm going to tell you right now, the only way you're going to get good at pricing is by doing it and failing just so badly so many times before you ever, ever get it right. Like... I, I, for one year, I grossly underestimated my, my fees. So what I would say is if you can, number one, you want to create a very outlined list of everything that you need to do. You need to 
identify the exact scope, every single thing that needs to be done. And you need to attach a time that you think it's going to take you. And you need to add, if you think something's going to take you an hour, trust me, it's going to take you two hours. If you think something's going to take you 10 hours, trust me, it's going to take you 20 hours. So I have a very elaborate spreadsheet that I have built over the years that I continue to add to. And I'm at a place now where it's, it's madness. By the time I get to presentation, I've used 70%. Like I, I'm, I don't know how this has worked itself out, but so far this spreadsheet is really working for me and it's very much um, nailing it as far as how long it takes me to do things. So what you need to do is list every single thing. <clears throat> you need to, your projects, you're going to start. <coughs> Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. You're going to start by um, identifying all the rooms, exactly what you're doing, how many pieces of furniture you're actually sourcing. And I would attach at least one hour per item, if not more, an hour and a half per item. So that's your sourcing time. Then you're going to, and that can include, I, at this point, I do one and a half to two hours per item. And I tweak accordingly depending on the project, but that includes your time to source, your time to go to, to trade room, um, showrooms to get quotes, all of that. And it normally flushes itself out to some degree. Your time to go in early in the project for your kickoff and measure the space and get all the information that you need. Your time to um, draw floor plans. Trust me, it's gonna take you longer than just one hour to do your floor plan. You're gonna to wanna to play with different options, all that good stuff. Uh, the time to create your elevations and where your drapery is gonna go, your time to design your drapery. You need to think of every single thing that needs to be done and attach a time. And my best advice to you is to create a spreadsheet right now that's gonna be your template spreadsheet that you're gonna use going forward because you're not gonna get it right the first time and that's okay. We. We, you basically have to go into anything um, in business where you just got to be willing to just do something and know that you're going to get it wrong um, and you're going to get it, make mistakes and you're going to keep improving it over time. But my best advice is estimate the time and then add like at least 20 to 50%. And if you're, if you're new, I would do my best to estimate the time and say we're going to do hourly because then you have yourself covered and, and try to get like 50% of the estimated hours up front or do something like that. Okay, let's see. I'm gonna see what people are saying. Discovery call, so yes. You wanna make it a discovery call to book a consultation. And for me, every project starts with a paid consultation. It's $450 taxes in. And um, no matter what, that's how it starts. Let's see what peeps be saying. Outline the list of scope and time. Yes, yes. Uh, hour of two or two sourcing. Okay, so, so to elaborate on that, basically what I do is when I go and see this space, I kind of, for the most part, we're pretty good at saying like, you're gonna need a couch, two chairs, a coffee table, a rug, a this, a that, the other. And you put that in your, I normally estimate their budget based on that because I want them to know how much they're gonna spend to work with me and I don't want it to be Ikea pricing. I want to know that I'm going to be presenting things to them that they're gonna be willing and ready to pay for. Um, and so yes, you wanna know approximately what you're gonna put in each of these rooms so that you can attach that time frame to it. Um, 
That being said, once you do floor planning, sure, you're going to realize that maybe I need one less chair or maybe I need one more piece. But at the end of the day, it's nothing that's going to be like, like crazy. Okay. Uh, Becky says, do accessories get one hour as well? No, Becky. So for me, the way I do it is phase one is, uh, so I would estimate the project as a whole. Phase one would include the budget for furnishings and drapes and, and rugs and art. Then phase two is um, I estimate the hours for executing whatever has been in the design plan. And then phase three is accessories. So accessories gets its own estimated budget. So I basically do like you have 10 open shelves, 150 per shelf. You have a coffee table, 150. Like I come up with a high, medium, low for the accessorizing and normally let's call it five to six thousand dollars depending on how many rooms and then what happens is I just say like I'm gonna have two days of shopping one full day on site of styling and some straggler time so I attached a full amount for that and I just am at the point now where I more or less know how much time it's gonna take me to style uh, to go shopping um, without fail it's normally like I do I start with an online shop of certain key pieces in stores so I can kind of say like I have XYZ like you know your trays stackable guys I haven't showered or put makeup on or even brushed my hair today <laughs> um, this is how much I love you guys I don't care what you what I what I look like when I go live I'm that comfortable with you guys anyway um so I, I have a really, I basically start with like an hour or two of online shopping. I identify some things. I pre-order them at the stores and then I pick them up and then I might go and do some real life shopping for probably four hours for two days. Four hours each day, two days. Uh, okay, the spreadsheet would include all the furniture in each room. Okay, so it's two things. I create, this is how I do things, guys. I'm not saying it's the 100% right way. A lot of people don't like to estimate a budget for clients on the furnishings, but I do. It takes a long time. My proposals take a good two hours. Um, I do one spreadsheet that I just work off of template that I've created that's like a full home uh, budget that I then tweak according to the project. That's one thing. Then what it'll do is my spreadsheet's broken up by room. So I, ha and I have a spreadsheet already ready to go, which has by room, all of the tasks that need to happen. And the reason I do by room is because what often happens when people find that the budget, like the design fees are too high or the budget's too high, the, the plan of attack to minimize scope is normally to eliminate rooms. So I've created a spreadsheet that allows me to eliminate a room very easily. Then in my spreadsheet, I have a line for sourcing in which I will then identify how many, how many pieces of furniture are in the living room. So if there's six pieces of furniture, six is the number that gets put into the spreadsheet to identify my design fees. Um, I also, instead of draperies being like part of sourcing, I have a specific section for drapery. So it's like if I'm doing one to three, this is the cost, you know, four to six, this is the cost and things like that. So hopefully that helps. This person would call the furniture. Okay, the client is out of town. How would I? Um, what do you mean by the client is out of town? Are you saying this is e-design? I want to say that you're telling me that it's e-design. And if that's the case, I don't do that. So I'm not the best person to help you with that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir my pasta right now. And I'm going to wait for you to reply. They live a few hours away. Okay, 
Yeah, that's 100% e-design. Lady, I'm not your girl. I don't know. Uh, this thing keeps sliding down. Uh, my biggest thing, the reason why I wanted to come live and say all this was that you just need to accept that you're going to make mistakes on pricing and you just need to bite the bullet. Think of how you're going to price it, test it, fail. And when I say fail, I, all that really means is that you're going to underestimate your hours and then do it again and keep getting better and better and better. Three years later, I'm going this. It'll be three years for me in April. And I probably only uh, end of last year started to really nail getting pricing down and not completely screw myself over. So to elaborate on that clip, I'm not suggesting that you have to accept failure on pricing. Like what I'm suggesting is that you need to take the time to think about all of the things that need to happen, attach a timeline, add a bit of a buffer and do that work. Don't just randomly come up with a number and then fail at it, but do that work and then continue to assess track hours. So at the end of the day, a lot of people don't like to track hours, but if you want to know how long something takes and that you're not selling yourself short, you got to track hours, at least for a good while till you really have a handle on it. As far as I'm concerned, if you don't track hours, you're not really trying to, you don't really want to make money and make sure you're being covered for your time. I really, really suggest listening to episode 64 with Blair Ends. It's all about pricing. It's amazing. And it's really important to understand how long things take, but also what people value so that you can make sure that you're putting a number that makes sense to them. And uh, if you're still early in pricing, then you want to cover yourself. So the biggest mistake I made early on was basically doing uh, flat fees and wildly underestimating and then not being able to ask for more money. So what I started doing was estimating a range. So I would say, now I know a room for me takes about 25 to 35 hours. Uh, the more rooms there are, the lower hours per room because there's efficiencies that occur. But now I can actually just give a range. So I give a range and I say, your project's going to take 65 to 85 hours. I don't know, whatever the range is. And then I say, you know, we're going to start at X number to start a flat, like a time block, and we're going to work against it. And we'll keep adding time blocks as we go. But they at least know what they're probably in for overall. But, and I've covered myself. Now, for things like kitchens, I've realized that I know what a kitchen might cost just for a kitchen design, and I'll do a flat fee for a kitchen knowing that I hopefully come in below the hours and make some profit there. So you really just have to gauge based on the client. Um, also, actually, let's, uh, the, other, the other podcast you really should listen to if you have not, uh, which most people probably have, but um, is the episode 62 with uh, Sasha Thind of uh, ID8 Design Studio. She talks a lot about pricing too, and it's amazing. So go check that out. All right, this next episode is just me going on about how much I love a couple of guests and people that were on my podcast. So it's just me putting out a little love. To talk a little bit about today's podcast episode. So I'm actually re-listening to it. I do that. I, I cannot lie to you guys. I do, I do listen to it. Sometimes it's because I go, oh my God, like, did I say weird shit? And, and I have to re-listen to it to like reassure myself that it wasn't a complete disaster. But anyways, I'm re-listening and oh my God, I got to tell you guys, this Katie, this Katie, 
we are kindred spirits, me and her. Um, I'm listening to her tell, talk about um, her anxiety. And while we definitely discuss a lot of things, there were so many things I was like relating to so hard that I didn't even articulate out loud. But I just, I just freaking felt like she was in my brain and totally gets me. And it was just a very real conversation. I wanted to come in and, and quickly say, Thank you to, I'm getting, I'm being tagged on my Instagram where people are snapshotting my podcast and saying that, oh, it's my favorite of the week or whatever. I don't even, just even if you're just saying you're listening to it, Wydell and Boschetti on, um, they did, for, okay, heads up, we all know Jacob, right? Jacob Medina. He was on my podcast a couple weeks ago. He is a true hero. He's a hero. He's a a hero. He reached out to Wydell and Boschetti and is now with them shadowing them. Like what an amazing, courageous thing to do. And I'm so inspired by that. And I hope that I have the balls to do something that like that. Katie's episode is number 26. And we talk a lot about anxiety. If that's a hot topic for you, I highly recommend it. Jacob was on the podcast twice, episode 24 and 59. Everybody, it's one of the highest listened to episodes. And then Wydell and Boschetti, while I couldn't find whether that, that interview he did is still on their Instagram, I can tell you that you can listen to their story on episode 9. Katie's episode is... This right here is the face of a person who just sweat half her body weight out while styling a an office, sh some shelves, and an outdoor patio while my clients are away because I'm pretty sure they don't have the AC on and I just don't want to mess with that. I don't deal with temperature. I have no experience because Dave is the temperature controller here. Anyways, guys, um... It's been a hot minute since I've come in in here. I look horrific. Anyways, it's been a hot minute since I come in and I thought that I would pop in and, and remind you guys of the last two podcast episodes that went live because I did not come in here and talk about the last one. It was just a really crazy week. It's been, it's been crazy busy, needless to say. Um, but good, obviously. Um, we want to be busy, right? But the first thing I wanted to say was last week I spoke with Jody Owen of Jody Owen Design. We talked all about manifesting, and she's just a beautiful soul, guys. I I hope you've checked it out. Let me know what you think. Um, I'm all about this stuff, and I think I need to get back to it for sure. And then today, uh, Jacqueline Harper's episode went live, who is having a baby. She might have had a baby already, but she's she went into labor last night. She's very pregnant when we talked. And I don't know, maybe the same day she has a baby is the same day her podcast goes live. What a great day for her. Um, but she's awesome. She's she's career change, used to host a TV show, still does on the side. You should listen because I actually put a little snippet of it at the very end of the episode and it's quite cute. She's adorable. But um, she she has a really great story and she worked with a really, really big designer in uh, the GTA. 
who she learned a lot from and she's just built a really great business. And I just admire her confidence. She's like, she's charging like 700 and something for a consultation and she will not apologize for it. And I like it. Jody Owens episode was 48. Jackie Harper's episode was 49. And I actually cut out part of the same audio and I'm attaching it at the end of this. Because what you're about to listen to is going to be, is, is cut from three different videos and it's all about how I did not follow my process on how I normally do a consultation and how I had to break up with a client after the consultation, after I put together a proposal when I knew it was a hardcore, not a good fit. And I wanted to make sure that I did not have to refund her consultation. So it was a very scary thing, but let's just say I rocked the shit out of this. And I think there's lots of good nuggets in here for you if this ever happens to you. Hey guys, I am uh, here to share an experience that just happened um, with a client. This is the very first time I have had to, after a paid consultation, tell a client that we aren't a good fit. After a proposal was sent, some back and forth occurred. And I just want to share with you the series of events that happened and some mistakes I made along the way and some red flags that I saw and how I handled it so that hopefully it'll be helpful to you guys. I am still in the midst of it, so I don't know what the wrath is going to be here. So I want to say at the end, middle of August, I got um, an inquiry for from a lady for an entire home and the home was beautiful. She sent me a link to the listing and she was getting possession on the third. So we ended up hopping I, and she wanted to get things going right away. She wasn't getting possession till the third. So I just said, you know, we can schedule a consultation on the third. That's no problem. But I, at this point I can't guarantee my schedule to get started on the project right away. Unless, unless we kind of sign something now. So she was kind of like, oh, and then she was telling me that she had talked, she was talking to two other designers, one of which did not pay for, charge for consultations, one of which, um, same one also charged an, uh, $100 an hour versus my $150. But she said she really liked my work and was, was drawn towards me. So it was fine. We hopped on a call, I think. I think we did. And we chatted some stuff out. And then, you know, she was basically saying things like, I travel a lot. Ideally, you know, you can come into my house when I'm not there and just execute and did it. And it was sounding like an amazing project. And her home was absolutely beautiful. She's a single lady. And that sounds great. One person to buy in, not a man, you know, husband, wife duo. And no kids, which I also like. So anyway, fine. She really, really wanted to get things started. She wanted everything to happen so fast. So I had to educate her a little bit on the timing and, you know, that's not how it works and whatever. But so I I decided that I would see, I I suggested a meet and greet, meet at a coffee shop just to chat out the scope. And then I could, because she basically said, if if the service fees seem reasonable to me, then I would just move forward with you and da, da, da. So I was at the time really thought I wanted this project because the house was so beautiful. So, and it just sounded like a great opportunity. So I met with her for coffee, not my process, didn't charge. I was trying to be accommodating, mistake one. And so we chatted about the scope and I left and I, and then I explained after I kind of talked to her for about 45 minutes, I explained timing. I said, 
it's for it's normally six to eight weeks to presentation, but for you it would be I could probably do four to six weeks because I know my workload right now. And then from there, you know, if if we're trying to do more quick ship items because she wants things fast, then that's fine. But I can't. This could still be three months. And she was like, oh, like hated that. And I was like, you know, could it happen quicker? Maybe. But there's too many variables and things out of my control. And I, I'm not just going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth. So, and I was like, how does that sound? Like, is that manageable? Should I be providing you with an estimate on hours? Like, do, do I proceed here? And she was like, yeah, I just need, I think I need to digest that. But yeah, please put together, you know, estimated hours. So I pulled together a legit proposal, hadn't had a consultation. So I pulled it all together, pulled together what I thought she might need for furniture. And then just said, if you have questions, let me know we can hop on a call. So she then proceeded to send me an email that was like this long where she starts by saying that, again, the other designer doesn't charge for consultation. They estimated way less hours, I think half of what I estimated, and that the budget for furniture was way lower too. And and it, and it she basically said, you know, can you just help me a bit to, you know, I, again, I'm leaning towards you, but I just want to understand a little bit more so I can, you know, feel good about moving forward kind of thing. And so, and then she asked me other questions about like, oh, that designer also gives me three options for everything. Will you do that? Which I had already said, no, I don't because you're just paying extra hours. It's not how I do it. I present the best option. I do present additional options when I think it makes sense, but I'm not going to present you three options for every single item. That's just like, that's not what I do. So anyways, that was that. Um, she sent me, a, yeah, like I said, an email this long to which I then recorded a response to and I more or less said that um, I'm going to actually look up the email. I'm going to tell you what I actually said in a nutshell to her. Um, I sent a recording where I talked about, okay, people can either have things fast, cheap, or quality. And, um, and I said that the best clients to work with for me are the people who want quality that means I'm not going to be the fastest person and I'm not going to be the cheapest person. But I, my value is that I create a perfect space that feels totally complete, that's really curated, and every detail is considered. So, um, and then I said, if, you, if you're looking for somebody to just help get you furniture really fast, then you should probably go with the other designer. So I recorded something back and then I, I talked about a bunch of stuff. And I was really trying to like scare her and just like, if you're going to move forward with me, I want you to know all the truth. And then I, and then I wrote in the email in a nutshell, and I'm just going to read it because I think that this, I would like to hear this kind of thing. So I said, it's important for my clients to establish what is most important to them, quality, time, or budget. The value I provide is in quality. The end result I provide is a beautiful space that works for my client's lifestyle. It's accomplished by listening to my clients, thoughtful curation and attention to detail and make your vision come to life, hoping hopefully in ways that you may not have thought of. This relationship works best with clients who can't achieve the end result on their own that they see in my portfolio. So what I was trying to make sure I said there was, I don't want a client who thinks they exactly know what they want. They, they want to hire me because they, they don't, they want my portfolio work, but have no idea how to do it. I don't want to just execute the floor plan you think is best when it's shit and just find you furniture that you already think you know you want. That's a glorified shopper. So that was my way of trying to like, just say like the type of client without being really overt about it. And then I went on to say, 
We can rework the scope to keep things affordable by eliminating rooms. This ensures you still get a, a few fully completed spaces um, and feel good about the end result and the money you invest. It's common for clients to start with one or two rooms and then add other rooms later. I know that you want things done right away, but this could be a great way to manage the budget for now and ensure a great end result with a lower commitment early on. After you listen to what I'm saying, so the recording, if it resonates and feels like a good fit, basically I was saying, I... My value is my artistic, the way I pull together rooms beginning to end. If you want someone to just buy furniture and get it in your house quickly, I'm not the person for you. And I said, if it resonates, then the next step should just be a consultation. You don't have to move forward after that. It is paid, but the ideas we talk about, you can use no matter what, if we move forward or not. Her response to that was, um, Thanks for this. Let's move forward. I, I do still have questions, but we can discuss them and iron out the details in our consultation. So I was like, great. I totally, she, this is what she wants. She wants me to like make the space beautiful for her, not just get furniture in here quickly. That's, that's what I assumed. Fast forward to the consultation. Have the consultation. It's not a huge house, but it is, it is a beautiful house. And in the living room, She's like, so the last owner, oh, by the way, she called the seller of her house a bitch twice during our coffee meeting and again in the consultation, which was very gross to me, not a good, very red flaggy to me. Um, and then she, she's like, so the old owner had like the couch floating, you know, out in the room, AKA centered around like to enable the coffee table and everything to be around the focal point, the fireplace. She's like, but I put it against the wall. Now I have all this space. And I was like, well, that's the reason you do that is because when you're creating a room, you want there to be a conversation area and you don't want the other chairs to be like all the way across the room. You want to be able to have a space that's cozy and centered around the focal point. There is a reason for that. She didn't want to do that. Okay. Then she talked about, well, I think I could fit a sectional here. And I was like, I wouldn't get a sectional. And I said, just because something fits doesn't mean it should, it belongs there. So she didn't love that. And then basically the more we went through her house, it sounded like she already knew what she wanted and didn't want to hear anything I had to say. So I, and then we got down to the end of the consultation. I started to talk about the process. Then I talked about, um, you know, a check at an installation. And then I talked again about four to six weeks to presentation to which she was like, what? I'm like, we talked about this at the coffee, at, like when we went for coffee, it, that's what it takes. And then she's all like, rah, rah, rah. and then we started talking about phase three installation and styling. And then she said, do I approve every single styling item we bring in? And I said, no, at that point, I know my clients well enough and we've discussed it before. I don't buy anything until we've approved a budget. And she was like, oh, feeling a bit weird about that and uncomfortable. And I was like, at the end of the day, if we get to phase three and you don't want to accessorize and I mean we don't accessorize but at that point I don't think you're going to feel the warm and warm fuzzies about having spent any money on me my point to her was if you just want to furnish your house go with the other designer was what I said in the initial call because my value is like the whole space coming together so anyway she wasn't feeling great about that but I, I kept saying at that point, we'll be discussing things and I will know you well enough. Like, I've never had a problem with this. I Anything can be returned that's brought into the house for accessories, um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, fine. Do you want me to update the proposal per our new conversation today? Yes. So I did that. 
sent it to her. I think on Thursday, got my reply yesterday. It was this long. Once again, key, key concerns as follows. She goes in to say she's concerned about releasing most of the control around direction. She, she doesn't want to relinquish control. Um, and then she basically says, like, she's had a hard move and she feels displaced, blah, blah, blah. Personal life stuff going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, fine. Then she says, um, you're clearly a talented decorator. I love the idea of having your support, but here's my concerns. It seems like you have a few particular visions for spaces that I'm not sure I love, like the front room, single couch, rather than a sectional pushed forward with two chairs facing it and the table directly in front of the fireplace. I realize that you haven't had time to sink in. I would love confirmation that you're open and comfortable with providing various options. There's really one option for this space. And then the other option is to just do a really terrible job. Second concern, selecting all the furniture won't feel like my home. I'm nervous. I want, I, this is why I want to be part of the selection process. I, like she, she sounds like she wants to be a little more involved. Um, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Third, I'm unsure with the wall, the art and decor. I mean, we went a great length talking about this. Literally, this, this is like a novel. Like she wrote me a novel. And I was thinking really about, anyways, blah, blah, blah. So when I look at this email and I look at the project, the only the only redeeming quality of the project is that her home is beautiful. But she doesn't seem like willing, she basically seemed like she wanted somebody to just come in and say yes to all of her ideas that she already has and execute those for her. So like I said, she wants a glorified shopper, assistant. I don't freaking know. I had left the consultation thinking, Michelle, you don't need every job to be portfolio worthy. Just take the job. Even if you don't do art or decor, just get her furniture, get, get a, some money in and don't and move on, whatever. But then I get this email, which is again, like just not, not only is she concerned about budget, she wants to, she wants to spend like quick ship items, not a lot of money for me to be made there Two, She seems very not, open to listen to any of the ideas I have or properly balancing a room. She just wants a space to do yoga in. Three, I don't really connect with her on a personal level. Four, I'm not going to be creatively fulfilled because she doesn't seem to want me to do art or accessorizing. And it sounds like to me, she's just going to, I'm going to source things for her and then she's going to find basically a new piece of furniture that she likes better. She just wants to, she, she does not want to relinquish control of this at all. There's literally no redeeming qualities about this project. If I got in this email, but yet she had a healthy budget and it seemed like, you know, she, it was, she was realistic on timeline, not realistic on timeline either. All of these things, maybe I could be more willing to bend over for her, but everything in my gut is saying no. I sent the proposal and I now have a new phase for my new build project, which I know is going to be big and it feels good because it's a project I'm excited about and those clients respect my opinion. And I, I kept thinking, if she accepts this proposal, I'm going to be really bummed out. And to me, that was really, really, really telling. So got the email and I knew what had to happen. I had to tell her and she paid for the consultation and keeping in mind, she paid for the consultation and was resistant at first saying that the other girl didn't pay. So 
my biggest like scary thing here is the fact that I think she's going to ask for her money back. I have no idea, but I'm going to read you the email I sent today. I'm very proud of myself. I know she got it because I track my emails. There's two checks, which means she has read it, but this is what I said. It's good guys. It's real good. Uh, hi, hi client. Thank you for your email. I absolutely appreciate where you're coming from. As I read through your email, it, it seems to me that the other designer is a better fit for your goals in the way in which you'd like to work with the designer. You have such a good handle on what you want and how you'd like to achieve it, which is why I think the other designer would be able to provide exactly, I have guys here, um, would be able to provide exactly what you're looking for in a way that feels comfortable for you. Not all designers work the same way. The creative process is different for everyone. I love this about the creative industry because not all clients need the same level of help, which is why it's so important for the client-designer relationship process and vision to be aligned. Experience over the last three years has informed my 10-step process. It ensures that projects are executed smoothly, functionally, and beautifully. We had some great conversations during the consultation. Here's a few notes for reference for reference later, should you want to consider them? And then I just listed what we talked about in the consultation. And then I ended it with, I hope you have a wonderful experience making your house a home and wish you the best of luck with your project. That is what I sent. I wrote it last night. Shout out to Andrea for our phone chat to help, help me articulate my response. I'm very, very scared of her reply today. I really expect an email this long because that's what she does I don't part of me thinks that she's going to try to convince me otherwise I don't know why she wants to work with me guys like it's very clear that nothing I talked about process wise aligns with her she she want like nor does she want me to do what I do best so I don't know why she wants to work with me um so I fully expect that she's either A, going to try to convince me otherwise and say, it's okay, let's do it your way, which, to which is still a hard no, or to come back aggressively and ask for her money back. Or three, maybe I'll never hear from her again and possibly have a bad review show up somewhere. I have no idea. Um, but basically, I, I wrote the email last night and I scheduled it to, be, to go out at 9.30 a.m. so that I could just do it. And forget about it in my head, not that I forgot about it, but it's done, it's scheduled, and I didn't have to like talk myself out of it. But, anyways, this is the very first time I have ever told a client after I technically worked with them and money was exchanged that we were not a good fit, and it's fucking scary. And I know in my core, I I met with her after the first email, I was feeling the red flags, but I also thought these are fair questions. I'm going to give her the opportunity. I'm going to take it to, because I've had clients who've had a lot of questions before that were a little like, Ugh. but they ended up being great clients. So I wanted to make sure I didn't um, judge too quickly. So I did the consultation. The red flags just kept coming. And yeah, the worst part is right after she sent her long email, she then followed it up with another email that said, I just met with my Hunter Douglas lady and yeah, lots of, lots of information. I, I definitely look forward to your help with this. So she was very much under the assumption that this was going to happen. And it's like, I think I said somewhere else, it's basically like breaking up with a boyfriend who wasn't expecting it. And it's, that's something that I freaking always hated doing. Cause it's like, 
you know that it's, they're going to take it more personally when they don't see it coming, right? Anyways, guys, that's what happened. Um, I will keep you updated on the output of that. All right, guys, I wanted to close the old loop on what happened the first time that I told a client we were not a good fit. I got a response today in case you didn't read it in my uh, comments and it said this. So if you'll remember, I my my guess on her response to me was going to be either that she tried to convince me to work with her or lash it. Option one is what happened. Hi, Michelle. I'm sorry to hear that. I was really hoping to work with you. Let me make a suggestion. Since I'm still unsure what the process would look like, how about if we started by focusing on the first floor and then hopefully within a few weeks after I better understand your process, if everything feels comfortable, we could add other rooms. Right now, everything is somewhat abstract, so it's hard to gain a sense of how you will learn my taste. I never, I've never done this before, so understandably and nervous. I really, as I really want to feel as I really wanted to feel like my space, but I do feel like you're the most skilled designer I've come across so far. Please let me know what you think of the strategy. So I have explained more than once what the process is for me to understand her taste. And I get other, some people have different learning ways of learning and retaining information. And I understand, I think she's under a lot of stress right now, but everything seems difficult with this client. I don't have time to then later explain to her the reasons for my designs and then her not retaining any of that. It's like, I already explained all this to you. I don't feel like I could have said any more to other than repeat it to make her feel comfortable. So this was my response back to her. I was still hard now because I did consider another way to work with her, but in my core and my gut, I knew that I just knew that this was a, not a good fit. So my response to her, and I like it a lot, I'm going to be saving this bad guy in my back pocket. I had considered this as an option as I, I was also really hoping to work with you as well. Ooh, I don't like that. I, I should have edited that. I should have said I was, oh, I should have stopped with you. Don't like that. Don't like that grammar. Anyway, as I reread your email, your first point of concern was about our differing visions in particular built in the living room. This was something I was struggling with already. And when you noted this as a concern, it really resonated for me. I absolutely appreciate why you want the sofa on the wall and the sofa to be a sectional, but it really feels like it goes against some key principles I put a high value on in my designs. Like you said in your email, this is an important element for you and why I really think you working with a designer who feels passionate about the direction of the space and the vision you have for it. For me, not to acknowledge this concern of yours would be a disservice to you. I'm certain the right designer will help you to make this, help you make this happen for you. Oh God, guys, my grammar is just, I should have reread this. I did proof this a number of times, but then you go back and tweak a few things and you don't continue to read the sentence. Anyway, now I'm embarrassed, but I'm certain the right designer will be able to help make this happen for you exactly as you envision. Wow. That was hard. That's hopefully going to be hopefully not something she can't read. Anyway, um, so the universe did this for me, though, uh, a little while ago. So I hadn't replied to her yet. And I was not doubting. I was, I'm a hard no on this lady. But I, I think I commented earlier that I'm saying no to this one so that I can say yes to the right project. And my old client, who I freaking love, she's probably one of my 
the third client I ever worked with. And she reached out to me, I'd say about two months ago, asking, you know, if I'd be interested in helping her with her third story addition and other renovations in her beautiful freaking home. Feeling really excited about that and feeling very validated in my saying no to this lady in order to say yes to the right project. So anyways, guys, this is when I will say another one thing. I embarrassingly most of my 40 years on this planet have been a very unassertive. Is that even a word? I'm not, I'm not the most assertive. And I, I said this to a group of designers. I, I am codependent. I really struggle with making others feel bad and I own it. And I often make decisions that are better for others than for myself And I feel like I've turned 40 this year and I've really, well, then you have a business, right? So you know that you have to make, you have to put your big girl pants on and have these tough, like that was really hard for me to send today because the idea of having somebody walk away, not happy with me crushes my soul. And that's why I choose my words so very carefully. Um, But I feel like this is amazing progress for me as like just staying true to myself and not, doing something because somebody else wants me to do it and not, you know, and, and saying no when I know it's a no in my core. So anyways, guys, I uh, encourage you to do the hard thing if it's not right and end it because you're going to feel a load lifted off your shoulders and I already feel it. So there you go. Good luck out there. So, yeah, that was a rough experience. And I will say she did not ask for her money back. She just replied saying, Uh, Thank you so much for your candor. I will look into the other designer. Bingo, bango. The next audio clip is all about, I think it's just when I was excited because I found out I was going to be on Marilyn Dennis. Hey, guys. So I basically decided, God, I'm sorry for this face. Makeupless, hairless, hair not done. I look disgusting. But I'm drinking wine, so it doesn't matter. Plus, it says you can, it's backwards for you, but it says age 40 years to perfection. Like this girl. Obviously, that's what it means. Anyway, um, I came here to tell you something. I'm gonna prop, I'm gonna prop this guy right here. I came here to tell you that I'm gonna be on Marilyn Dennis on October 2nd. And that's all I came to say. It happened. I got an email this week and I'm going to be on Marilyn Dennis on October mother freaking second. Needless to say, that was a lot of me dancing. That's why you hear a lot of like kind of shoe tapping sounds. Um, It was an amazing experience. If you want to hear all about kind of how I made that happen, you can go to episode 56 And for those of you who have no idea what Marilyn Dennis is, it is a talk show, a national talk show here in Canada, filmed in Toronto. I was going to share a couple other clips, but now in hindsight, I'm looking at it and I feel like it's too dwelly. Like, it was some holiday, the holiday decor disaster, for example. And I just, it's too fresh and it's too fresh. I don't want to relive it and I want to try to edit these down a bit. I don't want to listen to it again. It feels too negative. I need to think about that no more and move forward. So I hope you enjoyed this 
this collection of a couple key highlights from the Facebook group. If you're not in my Facebook group, then you should definitely go to uh, Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett. You just have to search it and answer the questions and you will join. And there's a whole lot of that that happens on the regular, basically sharing my journey along the way. Also, if you are not aware there's now Real Talk Rant. All you need to do is shoot me an email, admin at michellebennett.com of a rant. You can write it out. You can record it. I'm not going to do one this week because it's already, we're almost 11. We're almost an hour and 15 in and uh, we'll resume next week. But I have one that was submitted, which is an audio recording for next week, which is going to be awesome. But please, they can be positive, negative, whatever you want. Just something you feel real passionate about. And if you like this episode, obviously subscribe, leave me a review, tell your friends and cheers to an amazing 2020 for all of us. Thanks so much for being here. Bye. So I completely and utterly screwed up my bone broth from just not paying attention and I'm going to get in so much trouble if I burned and wrecked this pot. Look what I've done. So I'm on the phone recording a podcast with Christy about the consultation. No, that's a lie. Oh, God, it smells so bad. Um, For the discovery call role-playing. And all of a sudden, I just realized, like, I had been noticing a burning smell, but I didn't mentally register it. Oh, my God. What a complete waste. And I was like, oh, my God. Hold on. I ran down. And this mess I basically just burnt everything and all that left all that's left is carcass and burning (sighs) there goes my bone broth what a disaster this is why I'm not allowed to cook